0: You think you thought we were dismissing, I know yeah. <laughs> John chapter three well we are we are starting uh today our series in uh in, in the New Testament love ran red and we'll be talking about uh, mostly Passion week uh, today we are in the garden of Gethsemane and get to see a little bit of what happened there and what Jesus went through but I, again, I alluded to this earlier I, I really feel like like our opportunity right now is to answer that why question today. You know, if love ran red, what, what is about that love? What, what was it focused on? So we're going to be looking at that today, uh, starting in, in John chapter 3. And I know our text will be in Matthew chapter 26, and there's some in Luke 22 as well that talks about the Garden of Gethsemane, but we're, we're really in John, John chapter 3 because I think if we really want to talk about, we really want to talk about Jesus in his agony and, and talk about Jesus and what he went through, we have to properly understand his motive, all right? So we can understand why he decided to do that. Uh, and like I said earlier, it, it's, it's kind of gory, right? Uh, you ever watch The Passion of the Christ or any of uh, the Jesus movie, and you see, you see Jesus getting crucified and spit upon and carrying a cross, and it gets a little gory. It gets a, your stomach starts to turn a little bit. And you wonder, why am I seeing this? Why do I want to focus on this? Why do we call Good Friday good? Because it was pretty gruesome, right? It should be gruesome Friday. But it, we, we understand that it was good because it's the day that love really did run red. That Christ's love was exhibited to us on the cross as he bled and died on our behalf in a place that we could not, uh, could not have accomplished what he accomplished. And while we couldn't accomplish it, he came forward and said, I will. I'll step up and, and do what you could never do. And he died in our place to become a righteousness, a purity for us that we, we could never have achieved. And that's why it's so good. So today we're going to look at this agony that he suffered, but we're going to look at why it's important, uh, to answer, answer the question of why, and that's important because it aids our mission in being missional, okay? And so as we look at this, by the way, I want you to look at Jesus, but also understand that Christ is our example of how to live. So we can look at how Jesus responded and how Jesus reacted and what Jesus did and you and I can take that out as we leave and say, God, I want you to change my heart. I want to be more like Jesus in the the ways I, I face agony, in the ways I face pressures from all around, okay? So let's pray and we'll get started with scripture. Father, we thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be here today, to love you, to cherish who you are. God, I pray that we would just treasure you more and more as your people, as your children. God, today as we look... At the at the agony that was suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane, leading up to the cross, God, I pray that you would you would just open our hearts and minds to your truth, that we would be receptive to to see and and be led where you want us to go. You would challenge us and change us. You would convict us of sin, and convince us of your truth. That we would leave fully committed disciples who want to be be and look more and more like Jesus Christ. It's in His glorious name we pray. Amen. All right, so Jesus certainly agonized uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and we're going to look at this, look at the why behind that. So number one is this: G- he, as he agonized, Jesus was being obedient to the greatest love. He was being obedient to the greatest love. Now, we could have this whole discussion and argument about the triune nature of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and how they loved one another to the fullest, and that was really the greatest love that coexisted before the foundations of the world. Uh, but, but as we proceed from that, the greatest love was the obedience that, uh, that Jesus had to the Father as he went to the cross loving us, and it was the greatest love. So we're in John chapter 3. Let's look at uh, verses 16. That's kind of familiar, huh? Three sixteen through 18 said for God loved the world in this way he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him anyone who believes in him is not condemned but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. It's, it's a deep, deep passage. It's a rich passage. And, and we, understand, we need to understand Jesus' motives. It was to love. Uh, Jesus was on a mission, and, and the mission he was on was not a mission to come to earth and find out who's naughty and nice, right? He wasn't on a mission to, to like make some money and say, I'm gonna go on a mercenary mission. I'll, I'll go do whatever job you want me to do as long as you pay me enough. Jesus wasn't in it for the reward in that sense, right? Jesus came to earth on a rescue mission to rescue the Father's children from sin and death. That Jesus would come and present himself as a, as a sacrifice uh, in our place, on our behalf, accomplishing a righteousness that we could not attain anyway else except through Jesus Christ. And I use that word a lot, accomplishing a righteousness. I want us to understand righteousness it is this, this purity that only comes from God. It is, it, is the only, it is this holy setting that when I stand before God, I must have a righteousness that is not my own. It has to be his or I cannot be accepted. God's righteousness through Christ is this perfection that we could not achieve, and only he did on the cross. And that's why he came. And by the way, when he came, he did not come to be served, but he came to what? To serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So understand, God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only Son, God sent his son and gave him to us. Now I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 53. We're going to see how big this father's love was. Isaiah chapter 53. You don't have to keep your, your finger there in John. So we're in Isaiah 53. We're going to read verses 10 and 11. I encourage you to read the whole section, especially as we come into Passion Week. Some great, great, uh, deep theolo- theology there. But look at, look at verses 10. Isaiah 53, verses 10 and 11. Said yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely. When you make him a restitution offering, he will see his seed; he will prolong his days, and by his hand the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. Uh, he it says he will uh, he will see it out uh, of his anguish, and he will be established with his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many, and he will carry their iniquities. So there's this this. Sacrifice, this offering that God is, God is giving to us in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a prophecy or a foreshadowing telling the story of the cross. And it goes into it too. He says, The Lord was pleased to crush him severely. And, and every time I've read that, and as, I've read that as a youth and I've grown up, I'm like, I don't like reading that. That seems a little bit harsh, right? That God was actually pleased. Maybe there's joy involved when He, when he sent Jesus and, uh, to the cross and crushed him. And we've got to understand why. What does that mean for us? It's, it's that God loved the world in this way. So much so that he took pleasure in crushing Jesus. You see, God sent Jesus to redeem us, to pay for something we couldn't pay for. And, and what God the Father, what God knew is that, that that would draw us into a relationship, a right relationship with him. And there was joy involved in that. That's what God intended. That's what God wanted, is to be with us. So that end in mind, he understood in order to accomplish that, yeah, Jesus has got to go to the cross. But the pleasure was there because the love was there. His love was so great that he actually was pleased, pleased, happy to sacrifice his son on your behalf. He was happy to crush the son with your sins on your behalf. He was happy that the wrath of God would be displayed on Christ at the cross on my behalf. See, this agony that we're going to see Jesus facing in the garden has to be preempted with this this joy and with this love that the Father was pleased to crush the Son because he loved us so much. And in this way, he sent Jesus. To die for us, he was pleased, and and some of that scripture says he uh, it says when you make him that restitution offering, uh, he will see his seed. So we're making Christ an offering, letting him be a sacrificial lamb, but it won't stop there. He will rise from the dead, and his seed will be seen, and his he will pro- prolong his days. It's it's again a foreshadowing to the resurrection. That like, this is, this sacrifice isn't going to stay dead. This is the sacrifice once and for all that's going to take, take care of everything. And, and that last scripture in verse 11, that last part of 11, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will carry their iniquities. That's what Jesus did. He carried our iniquities. So God loved the world in this way that it pleased him to crush Jesus for you and for me. But it, but it wasn't just, it didn't stop there. Jesus had a part in this as well, and, and you can turn here later, but in Philippians chapter 2, it tells us kind of this, this story of Jesus and his humility and, and his obedience, and, and that his mindset was not out of selfishness or vanity. Like he, he wanted to be put on this pedestal and, and, and gain something. It said he emptied himself, and he and became nothing, In verse 8 of chapter 2 of Philippians, he says he humbled himself. Jesus Christ humbled himself, and what did he do? He became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So it wasn't even that, that the father just said, you're getting on that cross whether you like it or not. The son was like, I love. We as God, the Godhead loves his children. And Christ went willingly and obediently to the cross so that you and I would have life. He was obedient to the father's plan to agonize and to die so that you and I could live amen and that's the hope and the joy that we have it's in Christ and and for the joy set before him he endured that cross so now we're going to be in Matthew chapter 26 let's go turn there that'll be where we camp out the rest of the uh, day the whole day that we're here Matthew 26 and we'll begin in verse 36 so number two, number number one we saw that Jesus was obedient to the greatest love. Number two is that as he agonized, Jesus asked partners to agonize with him. He 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 wanted partners to agonize with him so Jesus understand the setting he, he came into Jerusalem and that was on pa, uh, on sorry uh, Palm Sunday which is next Sunday right he came into Jerusalem he spent some time there and then eventually he, he he went into the upper room with the disciples and he had the Passover meal together and as he was there he was saying it's time is here you guys I'm I'm this is this is the end my betrayers ready to go betray it's this is the time T-minus however long, and, and I'm going to be arrested, and I'm going to be crucified. He, he knew, he was sharing with his disciples, this is where, where the rubber meets the road. This last three years of ministry have been awesome, but this is what it culminates to. So he, there's a lot of stress on Jesus and pressure on Jesus. He knows that this is coming. He knew that as he shared that last Passover cup with his, with his disciples, that really, really soon, very soon, he would be drinking a cup of his own that God had given him, him to drink that he would be taking on the cup that is going to the cross. So we, we pick it up in verse 36, and we'll read 36 through 38. So after, this is after the Passover meal. It says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. It was time. And Jesus saw the writing on the wall. He knew it was time. Jesus had performed his last miracle. He had preached his last sermon in the synagogue. He had enjoyed his last Passover meal with his disciples. And he now was in ang- anguish. Christ was in anguish. And I don't, I don't think you and I could ever understand or will ever understand fully the anguish that he suffered there. Because he was fully God and fully man, which we are not. And because of Christ and what the, angu- the anguish he went through, we don't have to suffer like he suffered. We don't have to suffer the deep anguish that he suffered so we will never fully understand and know. But Jesus was to this deep, deep point of anguish, enough so that Jesus, God in the flesh, asked his friends, his closest three, please come here and stay with me and pray. The guys are being watchful at the entrance. You come with me. You pray with me. You, you, you need to know that my deep, my soul is being swallowed up. I am feeling an enormous amount of pressure right now. Stay with me and pray. He said, my soul is being swall- swallowed up in sorrow even to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. It's important for us to look at Jesus' example. He, he was crying out. He needed his closest friends, his closest allies to come alongside of him. And for you and I, when we experience anguish, we look, we, when we're in the face of anguish and despair, it is not something to be done alone the the burden of the cross was only something that christ could carry but the burden facing the cross was something he wanted to share with his his disciples and for you and i as we are in anguish we must let people know don't agonize alone don't agonize alone number 3 as christ agonized jesus poured out his heart in prayer he poured out his heart in prayer Let's, let's look at this and, and we, it, it's just really interesting this is this wow Jesus is I mean, he's king of kings and lord of lords but he's this meek and mild servant who is who is trying his very best to be obedient to the father's plan look at verses 39 through 40 through 44 39 says going a little farther so he he, he said stay awake with me and he probably just there right there and he came right over here just going a little farther he went a little farther Maybe he had to have that private moment with his father. So going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed. My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the the disciples and found them sleeping. And he asked Peter, so couldn't you stay awake with me one hour? I I mean, Jesus just shared his heart and he was in distress. Couldn't you stay awake with me one hour? One hour? How many late night times we've we had around the campfire out out between here and Samaria? I'm like, well, why are you, why are you sleeping now? So stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak and I think Jesus is, is not only just giving his, his disciples a lesson, he's, he's explaining where, where he is and what he feels. He says,'t you need to stay awake and pray so you don't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, and Jesus is saying, my spirit is so willing, but my flesh feels weak right now. Satan's trying to get a hold of me right now. And it was a revealing moment. It was also a teaching moment. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot, it cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came again and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. After leaving them, he went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. So Jesus is offering this this prayer, this this sold out prayer from his heart, saying, "God, I I, just, I need you." And he, that, I want you to think about the position here, right? He fell face down. He humbled himself and said, "I can't do this alone. I have to. I have to pray." How often do you and I just take that for granted? That, that Jesus needed that. You and I think, "Oh, I can handle this on my own." I've got, this, I've got this situation, this circumstance under control. I don't need Jesus right now. I don't need God. I don't want to bother him with those big tasks. Jesus, God's son, fell on his face before the Father and said, Help me. Help me. God is there any other way and was submissive to his will. You know, the disciples, it's kind of funny, the disciples are there with him, and, and this is Jesus, and they probably feel a little comfortable. But the question is, why? Why do they fall asleep? So, well, their eyes were heavy. Have you ever had that? Some of you right now, you're like, man, i gotta, I got to wake up. You know, i got to get up. Right? I get that. Eyes get heavy. It gets comfortable. And it's warm. And, and, and you know, there's been, it's been a, a rough night. And, but Satan's trying to get to them too. And they may be thinking, you know, I, I'm okay. I, I, their attitude was different because they were, they were, they were good. They were, they were his disciples. I mean, these guys, these 12 were the elite, right? They went with Jesus everywhere. They were the elite. Like, don't worry about it. We got this covered. Jesus, it's okay. They, the people down the hill, they might need to pray. We're your disciples. We're your homeboys, right? We, we're with you all the time. And, and besides, Jesus, you're here. What's going to go wrong? Whatever mentality there might be, I think you and I could share that mentality at times. We think we're safe. We think we're secure. We think we, we've prayed enough already. And, and you know, we've, we're mature enough in the word, mature enough in our, our attitude and actions, and we just don't humble ourselves and pray where we have Jesus, the Son, and that attitude is so foreign, right, to Jesus, because you have Jesus who constantly prays, constantly prays, constantly yields himself to the Father, and here we see Jesus flat on his face in humility before the Father, needing the Father. So as he agonized, he poured out his heart. We can't let our guard down. Number four, as he agonized, he found strength in the Father's wisdom. He found strength in the Father's wisdom. You know, as a dad, seeing my kids grow up and interacting with them, it's, it's interesting to see when they finally make that turn in their mind and their heart that I do have a need. That I, that I mean, my kids are like three and one, right? So they're working on 15 and 20. It's just crazy. But my, my kids aren't quite in that place where they understand why they do what they do. Totally. But there's times where, where I, I can see where they finally get their strength. It's the time where they've flailed on the ground. They've been thrashing around and throwing a tantrum. Or they, they keep saying, no, I want to do it on my own. No, I want to do it on my own. And they just can't accomplish it, right? They're, 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 and you see them flail and you're like, I just, I, just, I just want to help you. No, no, no. And finally you walk away. Like, okay, throw that tantrum. Do whatever you need to do, let's, that's fine. You'll, you'll figure it out, I guess. And, and, and they don't because we know they won't. And, and this sign of submission comes. Whether it's coming to their dad, their father, or going to their mom. This sign of submission happens. And, and what it is, it's, it's that, that sign that says, I give up. I know I can't do this on my own. And here's what they do. My son and my daughter, they walk up to us. They look up. And they do this. And see, what, what they want is they say, I can't do this. I need you. And they, they, they want to just throw themselves in our arms. And, and they, whether they're crying or, or they're, they're whining or whatever they're doing, they know their deepest need is to get strength from their mom or dad and find rest in the arms of their mom or dad or find wisdom and comfort or finally submit to and do it mom's way or dad's way. And see, that's that sign of submission, and Jesus showed that. He was anguished, and he could have thrown his little tantrum and, I don't want to do this, I want to, and, and fallen into temptation in some way. But what he did is he submitted himself to the father and he found strength in the father's wisdom and in his arms. Look at verse 39 again. It says he was going a little farther. He fell face down and prayed in humility. He said, I can't do this anymore. I give up. And he says, Daddy, Father, my father, if this is possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will. Your will be done. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, then your will be done. Right? He's coming around. He gets it. He, he, he's starting to understand this is about the Father's will. And then there's a segue in Luke chapter 22, I think, fits in right here. And I'll read it to you. It says this, Then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in anguish, he prayed the same thing once more, what Matthew says, more fervently. So more fervently he said, if there's any way to get out of this, if there's any way to take this cup from me, Let's do that. But not my will, not my will, not my will. Your will be done. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. You see, we talk about love ran red. Jesus in anguish in the garden of Gethsemane, getting ready to go to be crucified, to be handed over and be crucified, is in deep anguish. He's like, I want to get out of this garden. I want to go he says no that's not what i'm here to do because of my great motivation my great love for you and the joy that's set before me we'll see in a few minutes that he is he is laying himself down to the will of the father and he's pouring himself out even right there emptying himself of him sweating like drops of blood and then he he steps out and says not my will your will be done see there's strength in yielding ourselves to the father and his will and that leads us to our final point, number five. As he anguished, as he, as he got up off the ground and he wiped that bloody sweat off his brow, Jesus courageously endured for the joy that was set before him. Let's look at verses 45 and 46. It says, Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, The time is near. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. What did Jesus do? He said, guys, let's go. It's go time. Mission is starting right now. I prayed. I'm I'm fortified. I'm strengthened. And there's my betrayer. Let's walk straight into it. Let's get this done. Jesus was ready to courageously endure because of the joy set before him. See, he had this huge courage because of love that he had for you and I, the love and obedience he had for the Father, and the courage that he found was from the joy that he had set before him that was bef- not, not before the cross, but was coming after the cross. And I, I want to read a, a passage of Scripture or, or allude to it from Hebrews chapter 12, and it's on your notes. Uh, Jesus, Jesus' mission was not about self-preservation. It was not about selfishness. It was, it was about serving us. And, and pain for us. that God so loved that he would come in the form of Christ on the cross. And, he, and here's what Hebrews verse says and what, what Elizabeth saying about earlier. It says, let's run this race that's set before us with endurance. right Jesus is thinking about this and I, I need to run with endurance. And, and, and he's our example of running with endurance. And for us it says, keeping our eyes on Jesus, who's the source or the, the perfecter of our faith. He's our example. God Jesus' example was the Father and he was in the Father's arms. And he ran that race with courage. But here's the example of why he did it and why we can do it. Looking after the cross, he he said he's a perfecter of our faith. Who, Jesus, who for the joy that laid before him endured a cross and despised the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God's throne. See, Jesus knew the joy of having you and I redeemed and in a relationship with him, far far surpassed any cross or any agony in in Gethsemane any any crown of thorns he said I am willingly going to lay down my life for the joy of redeeming you I am going to willingly lay down my life for the joy of redeeming you and that's what he did the joy that was set before him and he endured the cross keeping our eyes on Jesus means letting the mystery and the hope that's in Christ and that's Christ living in us to be the source of our faith and the source of our strength. That we would begin to treasure his love. We treasure his grace. And ultimately we would treasure him as the offering that he is to us. And, and what, is, what do we do with that treasure? This, this final scripture from 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7-9 through 9 say this says now we have this treasure this treasure of Christ in us that when Christ laid himself on the cross he made a way for us to believe and receive the gospel and that when we believe gospel he changes us, he changes our heart, takes the old heart of stone out, puts a a new heart within us, he takes what was filthy rags on us and makes them clean and righteous and perfect and pure and that when he does that he, he moves in and he makes his residence inside of us And now we have this treasure in clay jars showing that we're fragile, we're broken. These vessels are not strong. They're in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. You and I would be crushed every single day of the week if it weren't for the power and righteousness of God. Verse 8 says, We are pressured in every way but not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. Amen? Because God is in us. That night in the garden, he anguished in love for us, for the joy set before him. He anguished so he could be the answer for our anguishing souls. That night in the the garden and onto the cross, Jesus was pleased to press on to the cross and he was pleased to be crushed so we wouldn't have to be. And that is our God. And in this way, God loved the world and his love ran red. Let's stand and pray. Father, you are an amazing God. It's amazing the anguish you went through, the horror of, of the, and the gruesomeness of this story that you went through. God, it means so much for us to understand and know your love more and more every day and understand the joy that you have in knowing us and redeeming us and, and treasuring us. May we treasure you. Father, thank you for crushing Jesus so that, that we would not be crushed. We want to submit ourselves to him.